Chapter 9 A cacophony of chirping brought in the new day. On a regular morning, this would have been a delightful thing to wake up to. But on this day, it was a truly disastrous thing to hear, because it meant that the pigeons had missed the crack of dawn. They were late. The gulls, aka the Birdie Border Patrol Force, would be starting their shift right away, if they hadn't already and the pigeon's brief window of opportunity to cross the channel undetected would be closing, imminently. Unfortunately, the pigeons had slept a little too well in Zizu's warehouse, and none of them had had the luxury of an alarm clock to wake them on time. Admittedly, it was a fairly major flaw in their otherwise perfect plan. While the birds around them were twittering away joyously, the four musketeers were all a panicked flurry of feathers, as they anxiously bundled out of the vent at the rear of the warehouse. They were greeted by the smell of the salty air and the sound of the nearby cries of the seagulls, who were wide awake and patrolling. Sacre bleu, Alex said. How are we going to get past them? Don't you worry, I'll show them who's le chef around here, said Michel Michel, clenching imaginary fists. Brute force won't work, Michel. We're outnumbered here, Thierry said. The original plan no longer works for us. Do we have a plan B? Paddy inquired, looking hopefully at the others. Not exactly a plan B. More like a plan Z, Thierry said gravely. If this doesn't work, there aren't any more letters in the alphabet that can save us. Come on, spit it out then, Thierry. What is it? Michel demanded. We're going to take cover on the passenger ferry and cross the channel with the humans. Impossible, Michel said. Impossible, Alex said. Impossible, Paddy said. Thierry was unswayed, looking around at the others for any bright ideas. What other choice do we have? I'm serious. He found only unconvinced faces. This was the first time that Thierry had been doubted, for even though that they had come so far, they still remained in France. Yet Thierry pressed on, trying to persuade them. We can use the feathers in Alex's sack to hide under, so long as he has a choice of colours other than neon pink. How dare you accuse me of such a narrow colour palette, Thierry. In fact, I have many classic styles which will blend in nicely with the white decking of the boat. Just because I'm pushing the boundaries of fashion, it doesn't mean I forget my roots. Now, if you'll all take a look at this, there could be hope for us just yet. Alex opened the carrier bag to show a full spectrum of colour and a wealth of accessories, which could be combined to form millions of designs. Thierry nodded in approval and gave Alex an apologetic smile. Slowly but surely, the others became increasingly optimistic in the last-ditch plan. As Thierry had said, what other choice did they have? Follow me, Thierry said, with renewed self-confidence. He had a sense of déjà vu, as he remembered the Calais roads from the last time he attempted the cross-channel journey. The map in his head was revealing itself at just the right time. He took them through the narrow streets towards the shore, ensuring that they didn't arouse any suspicion. Each time a seagull flew overhead, the pigeons ducked for cover in a front porch or under the awning of a shop. 
each time. They were shooed away by the early risers, otherwise known as the crazy morning people, setting up for the day. With every seagull cry, Paddy felt the deathly spirit of the Morrigan wash over him. But his powers of courage forced him to press on, which encouraged others to do the same. Arriving at the port, the four musketeers perched behind cars on the ramp leading into the boat. Seagulls could be heard everywhere, but not seen. The foghorn of the ferry blasted. It was due to leave. It's perfect, Paddy said. Next stop, England, Michelle said gleefully. They made a dash for the boat, flying with all their might to reach the ship's deck, unseen. Of course, they couldn't hide in with the humans. They'd be kicked out faster than you could say bird poo. The train foghorned again. It sounded like a troll burping. The pigeons made it to the deck, so far unscathed. They manically flapped around, reaching into Alex's bag of feathers for camouflage. Another booming sound rang out from near the boat. It sounded like the foghorn, but deeper, more sinister. It rang again, the second time more clearly. Hold it right there, it called. Time moved slow, as the realisation kicked in that they'd been spied. By seagulls. Where do you think you're off to? A scruffy and mangy seagull squawked as it swooped down onto the decking, joined by several others. The gulls had begun their inquisition. We're going to England, Paddy said stoutly. Well, you do sound pretty English to me. What do you think, boss? The tattered gull turned to his commander-in-chief, whose feathers were, by contrast, shiny and conditioned. The chief was a flabby sort of bird, overfed and unhealthy, but excessively pampered. He had a pompous and sneering air, too. He clearly had great power and wealth, but Paddy couldn't fathom how he had acquired it. The chief looked satisfied that Paddy was English. There was no denying it. His accent and his awkward stance told the gulls all they needed to know. How about your companions? the chief asked, looking at the French birds. They're English too, Paddy insisted. They can speak for themselves, the chief said. He was starting to take control. Alex was up first and put on his best British accent. I'm a proper country bird, I am, Alex said hopefully. That, the boss said, is the worst British accent I have ever heard. Ever. And you two? Speak up. A heavy silence hung on the others. If Alex couldn't convince them, Michelle and Thierry didn't have a chance. The three of us are French, Thierry said, making a distinction between Paddy and the rest of them. Is there a problem? Damn bleeding right there's a problem. We've got enough problems as it is without you extras coming in. Not enough grain in England for more birds. So you lot will have to go back. Apart from him, he said, pointing at Paddy. I don't know how on earth you got here, lad, but you'll be going right back to Blighty on this here ferry. Where have you all come from, anyway? Where are they hiding all the others? All the others? I'm afraid I have no idea what you're talking about, Thierry said. Don't act all ignorant. I know there's some dodgy bird smuggling going on around here somewhere. 
I can almost smell the stench of the thousands of mucky birds in their secret den. Regardless, they didn't fool us this time, did they? The chief smirked. This is unfair, Thierry said, nearly welling up. I want to speak to the bird in charge of all this. Funny, you should say that. You're speaking directly to him. Moi, he said, puffing up his chest proudly. I am the right honourable Trumpus Sauvage, birdie patrol border chief, leader of the sea gullies, protector of the avian realms of England and France, lordy overlord of grain, commander of the English Channel and all things England and... All right, I get it, Thierry said tetchily. That's enough. Trumpus Sauvage looked so shocked at Thierry's effrontery that he was lost for words. Thierry didn't seem affected by Mr. Trumpus's titles whatsoever. Listen, Mr. Sauvage, I'll be straight with you. If you're a decent enough bird to hear, hear me out for one minute, I will explain a few of the compelling reasons why you should allow us into your fine country. Go on then, Mr. Sauvage, Mr. Sauvage said. Firstly, the lady to my right, Michelle Michel, is the greatest pigeon chef in France, and I suspect the world. Michel nodded furiously in agreement. She is an expert of using grain more efficiently, so that twice as many birds can eat with half the amount of grain. Not only that, if you allow her to cook for you right now, she will cook you the most delicious food you've ever eaten in your life. Trumpus turned his nose up. He didn't like the sound of French food, least of all that it would be made by a lady. Nevertheless, he listened. Alex, to my left, is the finest fashion designer in Paris. With his clothing, he keeps more birds warm than ovens at Christmas. He gives other birds confidence to be the best version of themselves through his landmark collection, Peacock Chic, and has even developed a material to protect birds against predators. I assure you that every bird in England, yourself included, would welcome his skills. And you? Trumpers asked. I am here for love. Simply love. No more and no less. I am an old bird, but I hold inside a passion so strong that it must be shared with my one, the bird who was the love of my youth, and, since we were parted many years ago, has been the love of my dreams ever since. So you're telling me that a cook, a pretend peacock, and a wrinkly old lover deserve a place in England? Well, yes. <laughs> you're out of your mind. You're coming off this boat straight away, and I'm sending you three to the loony bin. Let's go, the lot of you. Trumpus Sauvage signalled to his henchmen, or hench birds rather, who immediately swarmed the French pigeons. In spite of fierce resistance from the pigeons, who clawed and bit at the gulls, they were finally overpowered. In the end, it took nearly ten gulls to each pigeon to prise them off the boat and carry them back to shore. Paddy was left with a few of the underling seagulls whose job it was to take him to England. Paddy was devastated. Even knowing that he'd be going back home wasn't enough to cure the loss of his new friends. And knowing that Thierry wouldn't be united with his English love, that was the greatest injustice of all. Paddy began cursing the powers of courage for leading them to the seagulls, but it was too late now. Why would the Morrigan give him powers that led to failure? It didn't make sense. As he was taken across the channel by the group of pretentious and haughty seagulls, Paddy thought to himself, 
Trumpus Savage, leader of the gullies. What a silly name and what a silly bunch of birds. So, with a raging fire in his belly, Paddy was escorted back to England. <laughs>